Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. All right, guys, welcome back for another episode. I hope you all had a great uh, Christmas. I haven't made a podcast since Christmas ended, so I hope you all enjoyed the holidays. Uh, But in today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Colin for the first time in a while. And um, we're going to be talking about, first and foremost, we're going to talk about Antonio Brown. Because we've heard the news that he worked out the New Orleans Saints. And it's been a while since we've had Antonio Brown news. I remember I was talking about how I was just so sick of hearing about him all the time. It's nice to hear a little something about him. Uh, And we're going to talk about that. Then I want to get to the college football playoffs. Uh, I'm going to make my predictions. And we're going to weigh in on those games. Those games coming up. This weekend, they start tomorrow. Uh, LSU versus Oklahoma will be tomorrow. And then we've got uh, some potential Kyle Kuzma trades. We'll make them, and then we'll both uh, share our thoughts on them. I won't be talking about NBA Christmas Day games because I feel like that's – you've got a lot of recaps on that. That's been like a hot topic. And uh, I'll just say I got the Clippers and Celtics game right, but I didn't get the Rockets versus Warriors, Pelicans versus Nuggets, or the Bucks and Sixers. I got them all wrong. I picked the Bucks, Rockets, and the Pelicans. I thought those were the three easiest games, but it turns out I was wrong. Uh, that was pretty crazy, I guess you could say. So first, we are going to get to the uh, latest on Antonio Brown, so let's get to that. The Saints offense. It's Drew Brees throwing passes to Michael Thomas, one of the who's having one of the greatest seasons from a receiver we have ever seen, with Alvin Kamara taking handoffs out of the backfield and Sean Payton calling up great plays, Taysom Hill getting in there and just doing, you know, whatever he does, whether it's running the ball, catching, passing. Just imagine Antonio Brown in that offense as well. Just imagine Antonio Brown lined up across from Michael Thomas with Drew Brees passing them the football. That just sounds very scary. I just, I, I just can't... Begin to imagine the possibilities, how much fun Drew Brees and Sean Payton would have drawing up plays there. Uh, And Drew Brees would have a heck of a time with it. And when I look at the Saints team right now, I love the Saints. Uh, They just are a very complete football team. They have a good depth. I mean, I look at it, for example, their quarterbacks are Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, and Taysom Hill. That's good. Uh, You know, Latavius Murray is a backup running back they have. They have some good backups. Like, when I look at them, I don't think their O-line is outstanding, but I do think it is good. It's an above-average offensive line. Drew Brees is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I know Kamara's had a down year. He hasn't scored since week three. But him and Murray together, they're still good running back cores. He had a bad year. Yes, he has played pretty poorly this season, but they're still a good running back core, and you know what their potential is. There's a lot of talent there. And then there was uh, – I'm going to skip over their receiving core because that's what we're really going to – and their tight ends because that's what we're going to really be talking about. And then defensively, I overrate their defense. I, I'm not going to lie, but I do still think they have a good defense. You've, you've got Cameron Jordan, and they've got some good linebackers, Kiko Alonso, Demario Davis, great cover corner. I'm uh, not corner. Great coverage linebacker. And then they have Marshawn Lattimore. Um, great corner, obviously. And when I looked at it right now, the three biggest problems, issues I can really think about with the Saints is one injuries. Uh, right now for injuries, they've got uh, Keith Kirkwood and Austin Carhart, which doesn't sound big, but they only have four wide receivers that are healthy right now. Two of their four tight ends are hurt. Uh, they've got a banged-up O-line, and their O-line's good health-wise, but then they've got, on defense, really, the injuries. Sheldon Rankins and Marcus Davenport and Josh Martin are all on 
IR. So is Alex Anzalone. I don't know how to say his name, but he is a starter for them. Uh, and then they've also in their um, secondary, Eli Apple's out, Von Bell and Marcus Williams. That's Eli Apple, one of their starting corners. Janor Schenken's probably start over him. Uh, and then Eli uh, Von Bell and Marcus Williams are two starting safeties. So injuries are going to be a problem. Uh, Colin, I'll let you talk in a minute. I just want to get to this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then second of all, I said was their secondary cornerback. Like who they don't have very Eli Apple. I know he's a top 10 pick uh, from the Giants, but he was traded from the Giants for a reason. He didn't work out. And he hasn't done very good here in New Orleans either. He's not very disciplined. He hasn't lived up to expectations. But then they picked up Janoris Jenkins, so now it's not really the problem. Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins. And when Eli Apple comes back, he'll probably be their third string corner. Uh, not third string, third, you know, kind of the backup corner. Not a bad backup tab behind Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins. But the biggest problem with them, I always said, Outside of Michael Thomas, they don't really have a wide receiver. Now, does it hurt this offense? No, not really. Uh, but it doesn't really feel like they had any great significant weapons outside of Michael Thomas. Like, I know Alvin Kamara can get your passes out of the backfield. Taysom Hill gets in there every once in a while. But really, just looking at the receivers, you've got Michael Thomas, and they've got Ted Ginn Jr. He's not a horrible second option. Really, when you have Michael Thomas as your first option, you can't really do a ton of complaining. And then Traquan Smith's their third option. Really, that's not a bad receiving core at all, especially with Jared Cook at tight end. But I do think there's room for improvement. And they are doing better. Like, I will say, when you have Michael Thomas as your first option and Drew Brees as the quarterback, Sean Payton drawing up plays, they definitely make it work. But I do always think – I always thought that could improve. Now, to the point where Antonio Brown's your second guy, I wasn't thinking that far. But, uh, Colin, what what would you think if Antonio Brown joined the Saints? Like, what what is your thought process there? They would, uh, they would probably be my pick to win the Super Bowl, honestly. Because if you th- really think about it, that's Michael Thomas is having a career year, and it's like for a career year, best year a receiver's ever had. Yeah, and so he's definitely been really good. And if you combine him with like a Pro Bowl talent, top like five past decade or not past past. Yeah, past decade receiver with like Antonio Brown and a very creative coach like Sean Payton. I think they could go really far. And they have a very talented QB, Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. And then their running backs are Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara. So if it ever doesn't work out, the running game's still there. Yeah. I mean, their running game has struggled this season, but I mean, just that would be crazy. Their offense would be so spread out. I mean, there's so much, there's so many weapons on this offense. And with Sean Payton, I mean, that just makes it so much better too, because he's great at drawing up plays. And again, as I said, they also got the good old line. He would complete the offense because I do think there is a little room for improvement there uh, with the receivers outside of Michael Thomas, but I don't think it's a big issue. I thought the bigger issues on this team are injuries in that second cornerback and they got Janoris Jenkins. And unfortunately the injuries just can't heal itself overnight. But really I do think it is a small issue. Like, I do think they could improve in their receiving core, uh, but I don't think it's a bad thing either. They've definitely made it work. So I don't think getting Antonio Brown is a necessity, but it could be the thing that sets them over the edge. Like, as good as this team is and as much as it doesn't seem like they necessarily need Antonio Brown, it could be that piece that they need. It, that just really just sets them uh, apart. And when we talked about Antonio Brown going back to the Patriots, what do you think? Do you think there would be any shame for the Saints signing Antonio Brown? Well, not really, because, I mean, if it doesn't work out, like, there's always a possibility that Antonio Brown is, like, a locker room problem and all that. 
So, if it kind of ruins their chemistry and sets them out of the playoffs, like, if if they get sent out of the playoffs because Antonio Brown is a locker room problem and they can't focus in practices, then, I mean, yeah, they, they'll probably be shamed for it. But I, I really don't think that will happen. I think Antonio Brown wants to get back onto the football field and kind of just start playing again. I mean, he didn't really do anything with the Patriots that, like, well, I know all, like, the allegations and stuff, but besides that, there was really, he wasn't causing any issues toward the players like he was in Oakland where he was showing up in hot air balloons to practices. Mm-hmm. So the report by Adam Schefter today was free agent wide receiver Antonio Brown is in New Orleans for this morning working out for the Saints, per source. Saints are doing their due diligence. It's clear the talent's there. They're not uh, questioning that. Um, so the workout wasn't like uh, it was for maybe a guy like Carmelo Anthony. I'd even say Melo, not not really. But maybe Des Bryant, for example. They brought in Des Bryant, and they worked him out to see maybe does he still have it. You know, this is a guy who's been out of football. He's had some injuries. Does Des Bryant still have it? With Antonio Brown, that's not it at all. If Antonio Brown didn't have all these allegations and all these problems, there's no doubt he'd be on a football team. He's arguably the most uh, talented receiver in the world still, but he's not on a team. That's how bad his behavior is and his character, um, unfortunately. Uh, And it's obviously they didn't bring him in for a workout to see if he still had it. He didn't lose his touch over that time. He's still uh, super talented. We all know that. No one has to bring him for a workout to figure that out. They're just trying to do their due diligence and see, is this something we could work with? Is, 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 can we at least try to sustain him? I don't think anybody can sustain him, but they're just going to sign him to this one-year deal that they bring. They're, they're not going to sign him right now, today or tomorrow. Personally, if you ask me, they're not going to sign him, period. But I do think it is worth ta- talking about and just imagining him in that Saints offense. Um, but do you think, who would get more shame for signing Antonio Brown, the New England Patriots or the New Orleans Saints? Right now? Yeah. The Patriots. Because the Patriots have a very, like, I don't, well, they already got rid of him, so it's, they kind of, if they signed him back, I feel like people would call them desperate. Because they're receiving core. And they are. Like, their passing game has not been great lately. They have uh, Jacoby Myers, they have Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, Mohamed Sanu, Phil Dorsett. It hasn't really been working lately. Tom Brady has not been that great. So I think the Patriots would get shamed because the Saints have a very creative offense, and I I think a lot of people would like to see Antonio Brown there. As a fan of the game, I would love to see Antonio Brown in New Orleans, but I'm a Patriots fan, uh, and I want them to win the Super Bowl, and there's a good chance they could run into the Saints if they do make it that far, which I... Not Do you too think sure. Antonio Brown's going to get signed to any team this year? No, I don't. I don't. But I think it's worth talking about that there's something. Even uh, um, Sean Payton said, not now. They're not going to sign him at this moment. And who knows what he means by not now. Not now is such a vague statement. Maybe not now means, no, we're not signing him this week. Maybe, no, we're not signing him today or tomorrow. Like, it depends what he means. Maybe not now means for the rest of the year. Um, not now. I mean, that makes you think, you know, there's still possibility for the future. So 
for me, again, I agree. The Patriots would take way more shame than the Saints. Saints would probably get a little bit of shame, for sure. Signing a guy like Antonio Brown, that's going to come with shame. But the Patriots have already signed him once and cut him. So it's like, you know, they're it's like bringing your ex back. Um, and um, the Patriots... Just the thing is, they wouldn't. They do look desperate. The Saints don't look desperate. It just looks like they're putting, getting that cherry on top. For the Patriots, it just looks like they're desperate. I mean, that that's it's everyone knows that. That's a simple. It comes down simple like that. The Patriots would definitely take a lot of shame. The Saints, not as much. That's for sure. And uh, I, as just a fan of the game, I would like to see AB go to the Saints. I, I would. It not, you know putting in I'm a Patriots fan or anything like that. Listen, I don't think the way he's behaved, he really d- deserves a, a spot on an NFL roster, but uh, just his talent and just get, you know, see how he works in New Orleans, Tim and Michael Thomas together with Drew Brees throwing the football. That would be so entertaining. So that is what we have got to say on the Antonio Brown matter. So now we are going to get to the college football playoffs. So let's get to that. All right, so the college football playoffs. Uh, Colin, I know college football. You uh, have you really followed a lot? Uh, not a lot, but I have a little bit, so I know a little bit what I'm talking about. All right, so I've kind of done my research here, and although this is a college football for me is always really tough to pick, and I pay more and more attention. Like I'm starting to get into college football more, and I I really enjoyed it this year. Uh, I really started to get into it, and. Maybe next year I'll do like predictions, really start to get into it more on a week-to-week basis. But with the college football playoffs, uh, I got to get my predictions in here and talk about these games. So first I want to start with the first game, which will happen tomorrow at 4 p.m. The LSU Tigers versus the uh, one-seeded LSU Tigers, may I add, uh, will be facing the four-seeded Oklahoma Sooners. Um, So when I look at this game, I kind of say two very good offenses – are going to square off. And when it comes to LSU, I just think they need Joe Burrow to keep playing how he's playing. They need to put points up on the board, and their defense has to play better. Their defense has not been good. Its offense is averaging over 47 points per game, which is incredible. I know college football, you know, a little different than the NFL, but that's still incredible. And their defense has kind of been their Achilles heel, really. I mean, I know they're 13-0. They haven't lost a football game yet. But if they are going to lose a game, there's a very good chance it's going to be because of this defense. And their defense has to play well because although LSU has a great offense, they're going up against a great offense as well. Jalen Hurts and the Oklahoma Sooners. Lincoln Riley, he's a great coach. They are going to put points up on the board. The Sooners are. They're going to put up points on the board. So that puts some pressure on Joe Burrow. But it also puts pressure on the defense. The defense is going – the Sooners, I can guarantee, will at least score 28 points in this game. They will at least score – I think they're going to score in the 30s, but they'll at least score 28 points in this football game. But the LSU Tigers just need to make sure they don't score 40-something points and they don't go score for score because the way the Sooners are going to win this game is by keeping Joe Burrow off the field and going score for score with Joe, Joe Burrow. Joe Bur- Burrow – if Joe Burrow scores a touchdown, they have to go out and score a touchdown. And that is completely possible. The Sooners offense facing this Tigers defense. I know that game against Baylor, Oklahoma struggled. We saw that. Their offense did struggle. They ended up winning the game, but they still did struggle. Um, but Baylor had a good defense. LSU does not really have that good of a defense. So I think Oklahoma is going to put points up on the board. And the tie, uh, you know, Joe Burrow, that just puts Joe Burrow on pressure. Just keep doing what you're doing. 
Because if he does not play well, the defense is not going to win them this game. The best I can ask from this defense is play a little better than you have before. I, I don't know that my expectations aren't that high for this defense. So I being reasonable, I just say try to play a little better than we have this season because they have not been very good. And when I look at Oklahoma, I kind of circle back, go to the NFL. Uh, Deshaun, I always circle back when I think of a dink and dunk offense. And, you know, the Texans versus the Chiefs. Um, the Texans did a very good job of keeping Patrick Mahomes off the field when they played earlier in the season, where Deshaun Watson, Jalen Hurts and Deshaun Watson, they're not really two similar players, but Jalen Hurts all day long can go ahead and chuck balls downfield for these big plays, especially it's a guy like Deshaun Watson. He's got Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins. This is a big play type of guy. Like He had some big plays in that game, but for the most part, you saw what they did. They just dink and dunked like they'd fake a handoff. They just do the, the short passes. They'd run the ball a lot. They'd keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, and it limited the amount of points the Texans scored. I think the Oklahoma Sooners are going to have to do the same thing in this game. Keep Joe Burrow off the field. This is the Heisman winner. Uh, and Jalen Hurts, I think, a lot of running. Uh, he's never rushed for 200 yards in his game, uh, it, 200 yards in a game in his career, but now would be the perfect time to do so. If he rushes for 200 yards in this game, Oklahoma Sooners – your odds significantly increase. They don't have to go down the field and have these quick drives. I want these long 10, 12-play drives. I want to see that. I want to see how many snaps this Oklahoma Sooners offense takes, How many? what's their time of possession. I want to see all of that. They should run the ball a lot. Not only just their running backs, but Jalen Hurts as well. I want to see a lot of running, a lot more short passes than usual, uh, keep Joe Burrow off the field, and their defense. If they can force a turnover or two on Joe Burrow, that would be pretty key as well. Uh, who are you taking in this game? Or anything uh, you want to pitch in? i probably take LSU just because Joe Burrow. I mean, two very talented quarterbacks facing mm-hmm. each other here. Jalen Hurts. I've always been a fan of him since the start of the season. <laughs> I, even though I don't watch much college football, he was one of, the, one of the names I knew. I didn't really know who Joe Burrow was, though. But I know that Joe Burrow will probably. Joe Burrow used to play. Uh, wait, so. no, I'm just kidding. Never mind. Keep going. And uh, I, I think LSU will pull out this game. I actually think that's a pretty good way to put it because some teams might look at it like, how do we stop this specific team? And sometimes it's not looking at college football, but it might be looking at NFL, where. Like you said, the Chiefs and Texans, a very similar game to this one. Where it could be. I think the Oklahoma Sooners game plan should be kind of like the Texans was. If you look at if you look at that game, and yeah, let's say you're Oklahoma, and you look at that game, and you say, well, the this uh, Tigers are very similar to the Chiefs, and we're very similar to the Texans. What did the Texans do in that game that beat the Chiefs? And maybe that's something you try and practice mm-hmm. and, and try to work out in the game to see if you can try to get a couple big plays and, and win the game. Again, the CFB playoffs, they're so hard to pick. And I still give Oklahoma a good chance in this game. I do, but I'm picking LSU. Uh, I've seen what they've done. They have been so good this se- season. And although I do think their defense might hurt them a little, uh, I'm going to pick them to win. Uh, if I had to pick a score off the top of my head, I'd say – they're going to score somewhere in the 40s. Oklahoma's going to pick somewhere in the 30s. I don't have an exact score, but I do think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game. Uh, and I think Oklahoma's going to be able to stick in this game. I do. Um, and I think Jalen Hurts will have a decent game. Again, this LSU defense is not that good, but I am going to pick LSU to win this game. 
Uh, and then we move over to Clemson versus Ohio State. Definitely a much closer game, I think. A tougher game to pick, shall I say. I'm not saying the Sooners don't have a chance or anything. They definitely have a good chance. Uh, but the Clemson Tigers versus the Ohio State Buckeyes, two teams that went undefeated. This is going to be a tough one to pick. Uh, the Clemson Tigers are the three seed. We always talk about they had a very weak schedule this year. The Tigers did not face anybody. They nearly lost to North Carolina State, and if they lost that game, they would probably not be here because they did not have any competition. They really didn't beat any good teams. Uh, I hate to say it. I'm not a Trevor Lawrence fan. Travis Etienne, I think he's very good. I'm not as big of a fan as some other people are. Uh, and then when it comes to the Ohio State Buckeyes, I'm a big fan of the Buckeyes. I love Justin Fields. Absolutely love him. Uh, I love what Ryan Day's done. I love J.K. Dobbins. Uh, and I don't want to announce my winner just yet. Uh, but I think this is a very hard game to choose, and I could definitely see either one of these teams winning, believe it or not. Who's been in the better team so far this season? No doubt Ohio State. Ohio State has beat some real teams, and they just look like a better football team. They do. They've got the best player in the nation in Chase Young. Uh, and speaking of Chase Young, when it comes to Ohio State, when I want to touch upon this game, what do they have to do to win? I want to get to the keys to the game. Uh, I think really D Chase Young's going to be a huge X factor for this team. I'm not a Trevor Lawrence fan. This guy makes a ton of mistakes. Okay, this guy makes a ton of mistakes. He throws a lot of picks. If Chase Young can put pressure on uh, Trevor Lawrence, get a few sacks early, like, you know, get a sack or two in the, in the first half and put a lot of pressure on him. I think not only pressure, I think pressure is key. Like Bill Belichick, he does not really look at sacks. He just looks at QB pressures. That's what he wants. I think Chase Young not only needs to put down that pressure, but I do think he needs a sack or two. And that kind of moment that, you know, strikes Trevor Lawrence. Because if he can get Trevor Lawrence's head and, you know, that's going to cause some picks for sure. It's going to really help out the Ohio State Buckeyes because Trevor Lawrence has got to throw some interceptions. But I think he will definitely throw some interceptions if Chase Young can put a little pressure on him early on and he gets in Trevor Lawrence's head. If that can happen, I mean, that that's going to be key. I mean, he's the X factor for this Ohio State Buckeyes defense. And then offensively, really just keep doing what you're doing. I really don't have a really thing to say. I think just Justin Fields got to keep falling out. J.K. Dobbins, same thing. If the offense just plays the way they do and they the offense capitalizes on the turnovers that Clemson forces uh Clemson, uh, that their defense forces on Clemson, I think they'll be all right. I think they'll be good to go. Um I Trevor Lawrence, I can almost guarantee he'll throw an interception this game. I can almost guarantee it. And can Ohio State capitalize on those interceptions? And can that set them apart on the scoreboard? That's what's going to matter at the end of the day. And then for the Clemson Tigers, uh, they've got to really just kind of eliminate Chase Young. I, I, they've got to eliminate him from this game. Uh, not pretty – I mean, it's hard for a guy like Chase Young to eliminate him, but you know what I mean. Limit him, really, to maybe a pressure or two. And I can't say you completely eliminate him, but really um, – get him out of the game. I mean, there's one, I, you know, the Michigan game was probably his worst game of the year. And I don't even think Michigan eliminated him from that game. Um, but for Clemson, really Trevor Lawrence has to limit the uh, mistakes from one to none. He really can't have any, maybe one turnover at max. Like he cannot turn this ball over. And I'm not a Trevor Lawrence fan, but I think a big X factor for them, Travis Etienne. It all starts with him. I know they've got, you know, guys like uh, C.D. Lamb there. I mean, he's on a – oh, my God. What? 
reset. We're not talking about that game anymore. That uh, They've got Higgins, their uh, receiver. They've got Trevor Lawrence. They've got some guys, but Travis Etienne's got to have a big game because if he can have a big game and he can break down the Ohio State defense, if Ohio State has to put their focus on the running back, that's really going to help out Trevor Lawrence in that passing game. So if Etienne can have a big game, he can not only carry that offense, but he can break down Ohio State's defense and really help out Trevor Lawrence. It's going to take a lot of pressure off Trevor Lawrence. It's going to make his life 10 times easier, and it'll probably limit the amount of turnovers he throws, which I think is going to be an X factor in this game. Believe it or not, I'm going with the Clemson Tigers despite this all. Why? Gut feeling, really. Uh, I really want to pick Ohio State. I do. And not saying Ohio State doesn't have any um, – experience, but Clemson does. Dabo Sweeney's been in this position a thousand times, and he always capitalizes. Uh, this team's been at the national championship so many times in the past five, ten seasons. So I'm going to go with Clemson. They've got the experience. Uh, I know they haven't really faced a ton of competition, but they know what they're doing. Uh, Dabo Sweeney knows how to prepare. And this is Ryan Day's first season as the head coach. Justin Fields has never been in this big a position, and Trevor Lawrence was last season. So uh, I think I'm going to go with Clemson in this game, even though it hurts because I love Ohio State. I'm not a big fan of a lot of Clemson's players, but overall as a team, I'm going to pick them. Uh, Clemson versus LSU in the national championship. What do you got? So right here, I think I, I have to go with Ohio State. I don't really follow college football, but on Saturdays I will definitely sit down and watch it. And Ohio State is definitely a team I look forward to watching. And – I, Ohio State has been very good. Justin Fields, great runner with the ball. Even though I'm, I have never been a big fan of running quarterbacks. Like, never like Cam Newton before the season. Never like Russell Wilson. I hate Lamar Jackson, but I do like Justin Fields because he can also throw the ball very well too. And I just think, based off of what you said, where Chase Young can kind of eliminate the, not eliminate, but limit the uh, passing game of Clemson by putting pressure on Trevor Lawrence. And really, in college football, it's it's mostly high-scoring games. So they're going back and forth scoring and scoring. So if, if Trevor Lawrence throws a pick and Ohio State can turn that into their own touchdown – you basically just went up two touchdowns because you subtracted yeah, yeah, the touchdown that they're going to score and just scored another one. So I think there's a big chance that they're going to throw a couple picks here. So I, I really think the turnovers are going to be key in this game, and uh, that's the reason that Ohio State is going to come out on top of this one. Not to mention, I also meant to say, Clemson is historically pretty good against Ohio State. Uh, the last time... Ohio, Clemson faced Ohio State was back in 2016. Uh, they played each other in the college football playoffs, and Clemson shut them out. That was the only shutout loss of Urban Meyer's career. He's not there anymore, though, uh, and Ryan Days, who's done a great job there. But Clemson has – I know it's a whole different team. You know, 2016 in the NFL, was that the, somewhat similar teams. With the, this is nothing like Was that like the year it, but, that Deshaun Watson was a quarterback, or was that the uh, year before that? He was still a quarterback there because I don't think he was a one-and-done there. Uh, there's a good chance it was him at quarterback. Uh, but then the national championship. Uh, since you have Ohio State versus LSU, I have Clemson versus LSU. 
Um, this doesn't matter much. We'll probably get to our predictions next episode on the national championship. But, you know, who's your early pick to win it all? Ohio State. You really do think Ohio State? Yes. Okay. Ohio State. I, I don't know. I, I'm i just going to ride with them because I just have – I don't know. I feel like LSU has definitely played better throughout the season than Ohio State. But I think – Ohio State will just—I don't—I don't know. Just for some reason, I just think Ohio State will win the game because I don't know. I feels like just—I have a feeling that Joe Burrow won't perform that well in that game, just because Chase Young will put a lot of pressure on him, and he—he he might have uh, some troubles. Also for LSU, uh, I love this kid. Starting running back Clyde Edwards-Elair might not play, uh, so. I just want to throw this out, too, for, like, a quick question for you. Like, if you had to, let's say, let's say this guy, you know who he is, right? Clyde Edwards Elair. No. All right, let's just say hypothetically, right? You, for the most part, you know, I think, enough to pitch in on this. Let's say he's 60% before the game. LSU versus Oklahoma. You think, all right, LSU's got a good chance of winning, but he's a decent part of the offense. He needs to start running back. And he's been decent so far this season. He's nothing like J.K. Dobbins. Or he's not one of the top running backs in the nation, but he's still decent. He's 60% before the game. Do you play him or rest him in hopes that LSU wins and he'll be ready for the national championship? Or are you going to play him? For what team? LSU. <laughs> uh, so you, you're saying this guy's 60% ready to, to He's 60%. Play. Like, like it, And... You 60, might. 65%. Let's just so, say against, and you're facing Oklahoma. Oklahoma. It's the last seed. And then you're just going to. I. I would sit him out, maybe. So, you'd I, suit him up, but. I would, yeah, definitely suit him up. I would sit him out the first couple drives and then see how things are going to go from there. If you're really in trouble, put him Or out maybe game, start but, him for the first couple drives, get a comfortable lead, and then take him out. I. I I wouldn't do that just because maybe let's say you don't put him in and LSU gets out to this huge lead. There was no need to put him in anyway, and you didn't want to risk him getting injured. So you, so um, I would probably say sit him, and if things are getting kind of tight at all, I would put him in. But, like, okay. if it's within seven, if it's within seven, whether you're winning or losing, I would definitely put him in. Okay, fair. All right, so now we are going to get to some potential Kyle Kuzma trades, so let's get to that. All right, so the rumor around town is the Lakers are interested in moving some all-forward Kyle Kuzma uh, to kind of complete their championship roster. The Lakers right now are first in the Western Conference. It feels like they have a very good team, but uh, GM Rob Polinka wants to make that move for Kyle Kuzma if the price is right uh, to move him for some sort of impact play that would really complete, like be the last piece of the puzzle. It feels like Kyle Kuzma doesn't fit with what the Lakers are doing. It doesn't really fit the timeline, doesn't fit with the roster, and he's only averaging 11.9 points per game. On his career, at 16. He should be going up and up. He's had a down year this year. But as you saw on Christmas Day, you saw his potential. And I am sitting here with three potential uh, Kyle Kuzma trades. I usually do five or six, and believe me, I tried about nine different teams. I could only work out a trade with three. 
in one of them, you have to like wait on it. You, you'll see what I mean. The first trade is one that I've heard about before, and I just did a little bit of tweaking to it. Uh, one with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers received Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, and the uh, include also for picks, Bogdan Bogdanovich and the Kings' 2020 first round pick. And then they receive a 2020 second rounder via Detroit, and then a 2021 second rounder from Sacramento. Um, so they basically get three picks in Bogdan Bogdanovich, and they send Kyle Kuzma to the Kings along with Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Uh, so Kyle Kuzma uh, goes back Luke Walton, his old coach, and the Kings kind of get a guy in Kyle Kuzma that can be like a wing scorer for them. And I think when it comes to trade value at the moment, right now I think this season – Bogdan Bogdanovich has played better than Kyle Kuzma, and I also think he fits the Lakers better than Kyle Kuzma does. He's a shooter. He complements LeBron very well, and that's why the Lakers have interest in him. But when it comes to potential, Kyle Kuzma has a ton more potential, so that's why I think they add all those trades up. And overall, for trade value, I think Kyle Kuzma has more than Bogdan Bogdanovich. I've heard some trades before, like simple, like Kuzma for Bogdanovich in a first. Salary cap didn't work out, so I had to throw Caldwell Pope in there, and then I decided to throw in two seconds as well. The seconds are kind of, you know, interchangeable, but uh, what do you think about that trade, Colin? I don't know, because I did hear that they were trying to go for someone someone bigger, like a big-name player, and I don't think Bogdanovich is that big-name player. I know that... I, well, they said this. I've heard reports that say an impact player, and I've heard reports that say that, like, third star. I tried to do a trade like, you know, get D'Angelo Russell or DeMar DeRozan. I've heard those types of trades. So I tried to do trades like that, but none of them worked. There's the salary cap. Like, Kyle Kuzma's contract is tough because he's only getting $1.9 million. And when it comes to the Lakers, like, on their roster, I can go back right now. Well, I can just tell you this. There are only three players on their team making more than $10 million. And that's LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Danny Green's making $14 million. And if they traded Danny Green, they'd have to wait till January 15th, which isn't a big deal, but they just got him. I don't think they're really too interested in trading him. So it's tough. They don't really have a ton of tradable guys like that have bigger contracts. Uh, really, the big names, Contavious Caldwell Pulp, he's making 18, 8.8. It's not a, a ton, but this is a decent trade. I think this one is very likely as well. The second trade is one that is not likely really at all, in my opinion, but I did it for a third trade. If the Lakers became very, this is the Lakers becoming very desperate. First of all, the Lakers would have to wait till January 15th to make this trade anyway. I'll tell you why in a second. But this is if the Lakers decided we just need Kyle Kuzma gone at this point. And we feel like at this point, instead of taking an impact player, we'll even just take younger players. This trade would be the Lakers receiving Kavon Looney. That's why they have to wait till January 15th because you just signed a deal with them. Uh, Jacob Evans, they're the Warriors 2022 first round pick and their 2022nd round pick. 2022 second round pick and they give up Kyle Kuzma and Quinn Cook so for this trade really again it would be that the Lakers got desperate and they just said yo we'll basically take anything within reason it doesn't have to be that impact player I don't see the Lakers making this trade at all but I think it's something that if they did get desperate enough they do I'm not going to really touch up on this one too much and then this third trade uh I kept scrolling through teams I said I want to do something unique um and I want to really get that this is probably the biggest impact player they get. You know, Bogdanovich, I think, would fit a little better, but here they get Dennis Schroeder. It's the Dennis Schroeder deal. They basically send Kyle Kuzma uh, to Oklahoma City, along with Contavious Caldwell, Pope, Taylor Horton, Tucker, and a second-round pick for Dennis Schroeder in the 2023 first via L.A. Clippers. 
Um, and there's some sort of swap in there. It's confusing, but it'll probably be from the Clippers in 2023. So that could have some value. Um, but, you know, it's a bit of a wild card there. But they get Dennis Schroeder. Uh, this team, their point guard right now is LeBron, which I think is totally fine. But Dennis Schroeder, I mean, this is a guy who could – that's an impact player. I don't know if he's necessarily a type of third star that you think about. Like, when you say third star, you don't really think about that. But he's had a great season. He's a great scorer. And I know, you know, 15.5 mil was always regarded as a little too much. I think it's a good amount for a guy like him. He is a good player. Uh, I'll look up his stats right now, but I know he's done great this season. And I don't think the um, – the what's their name? The Lakers would absolutely be like, oh, you know, we shouldn't uh, trade Dennis Schroeder at all. When I look at it, they – their point guard uh, position is kind of packed at the moment, and they don't really have any forwards outside of – uh, that uh, Danilo Gallinari, and then they've got Abdel Nader, Darius Baisley. Uh, so I look at it this season, 18.2 points per game for him. Uh, and he's shooting 34% from three, which isn't great, and 46% from the field, which is decent for a guard. Uh, but I think he fit them well. I, I do think despite that three-point percentage over his career, uh, he's not a great three-point shooter, but he's a good shooter in general. He's pretty efficient overall from the field. And he's a good scorer, like, when they said it, they weren't necessarily looking for a third star. They were mostly looking for either a good impact player or a good third scoring option. Dennis Schroeder right now, 18 points per game, might be good enough to be the third option. I do believe that he would be their third highest scorer on that Lakers team. So that might be what they're looking for. I know uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is probably the most likely because it's been rumored, but this trade could definitely happen. I could see them picking up a Dennis Schroeder. Who knows? Maybe I can work out something on the fly right here where they get – um. Chris Paul instead of Dennis Schroeder. Let me see what I can do real quick. Uh, the cap space, I doubt this would go through. Let's see. Yeah, it wouldn't. But anyway, uh, what would you think about this trade, uh, the Dennis Schroeder one? Uh, I think that this would be pretty good for the Lakers. I mean, in, in my opinion, because Schroeder has been – Schroeder, however you want to say it. He's been pretty good this year. Along with, mm-hmm. and good. it makes sense for both teams because if you put LeBron back at small forward, Anthony Davis at center, and you could throw in, or, or uh, even, Anthony or Davis even just put, or even just put, Le- yeah, I mean, you could put LeBron at small forward because that fills in for Kyle Kuzma and then put Schroeder at point, and you could still have LeBron, you know, do most of the duties, or you could even keep things the way they are, slide someone up at small forward, and, and then. You know, put Schroeder off the bench or something. But again, I like what you said. Put Schroeder at point guard and then slide LeBron into Kyle Kuzma's swap. But LeBron still runs most of the point guard duties, and, and he kind of plays like an off-ball point guard. And then yeah. they could have that like, and then Dwight Howard at center, and they could have that like kind of fit star like Danny Green or Avery Bradley run shooting guard. Yeah. And I I don't see that being too bad. Or they could even put Davis at center, LeBron at power forward, and have Avery Bradley and Danny Green. Like they yeah. they have multiple. Uh, options and you know even JaVale McGee instead of Dwayne Howard at center they have a lot of things that they could do even right now with Kyle Kuzman if they make a trade they've got a ton of options as well so it'll be interesting to see what goes down there but thank you guys for listening that's going to wrap up today's episode thank you Colin for joining me uh, I hope you again all had a great holidays uh, go uh, call into my podcast on the Anchor mobile app go on the app store whatever you have for an app store type in the Anchor mobile app 
Get the Anchor mobile app in the search bar at the top of the app. Type in after the buzzer sports talk. You can send a voice message in that way. If you can't get the app or don't feel like it, go on Google or Safari or whatever you have and type in after the buzzer sports talk by Aiden Mayer on Anchor. And you should be able to send in a voice message that way. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you guys for listening. And I hope to see you guys next time. We'll be right back.